Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. All right, hey, hey, welcome aboard the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I'm John Schofield. I'm joined by Bill Wagner and Chris Cervello. Our guest today will be Class of 98 alum Jen Baker, who is the athletic director at Johns Hopkins. She'll help us break down last Thursday night's women's lacrosse game versus Hopkins and preview this Friday night's game uh, between the men and Hopkins. We are in spring break. First of all, speaking of spring break, I know it's been a subject of inner service academy joking and taunting and memes and stuff on Twitter, but I have to say right now that we are thinking about the West Point cadets who suffered from the fentanyl overdoses this past week in Florida. There have been reports that football players were involved. Whether that is the case or not, whether illicit drug use was involved or not, in the end, we are all family. And from us to West Point, we hope everyone is okay and comes out of this without any further loss of life or damage. It's just a horrible story. And again, you know, we stand together with our uh, with our brethren from West Point on that. Okay, let's get started. Like I said, it is spring break, but that doesn't mean that the athletic mission stops. First of all, the Navy senior trio of Sydney Harrington, Hannah Montaugh, who has been on this podcast before, and Martina Thomas will compete at the NCAA Women's Swimming and Diving Championships today, Thursday through Saturday, down at Georgia Tech. Navy has qualified at least one women's swimmer or diver for the NCAA Championships six times in the last seven seasons and 10 times over the last 15 years. Harrington will compete in the 50-meter freestyle today, the 100-meter butterfly on Friday, and the 200 meter butterfly on Saturday. She enters the meet seated 62nd in the 50 free, seated 40th in the 100 fly, and seated 28th in the 200 fly. So she can can do some damage there. We tried to talk to her before she headed down to Atlanta, but our travels up to Colgate for the men's basketball final scuttled that plan. We hope to talk to her at the end of the NCAA championships. Monta is competing in each of the three diving events in this year's championships. The one-meter board will be contested today, the three-meter competition on Friday, and the platform diving on Saturday. Monta advanced to the meet for the fourth year in, the ro- in a row. She is the first Navy and Patriot League women's diver to qualify for four NCAA championship meets on the D1 level. So she's kind of a badass. Thomas has entered into Thursday's or today's 500-meter freestyle event and Friday's 200-meter freestyle competition. And like Monta, Thomas has qualified for the national championship for the fourth year in a row. Uh, She is the first Navy and Patriot League women's swimmer to qualify for four NCAA Division I championship meets. We wish all of them much luck and hopefully they kick ass in the pool. Some other athletes competing on the big stage this week and weekend are three members of the Navy wrestling team. They'll begin their quest for the national title when they journey this week to scenic Detroit, Michigan. 
for the 91st NCAA Division I Wrestling Championships held at Little Caesars Arena. I didn't even know that Little Caesars still existed. As we record this, it is going on uh, with afternoon and evening sessions slated for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Representing Navy are two are two-time NCAA qualifiers, Andrew Cerniglia and Jacob Kozer, who has been on the podcast, along with the plebe, the plebe with like all of the skill, Josh Cotterham, uh, who will make his debut in this national tournament. All three earned their automatic berths by way of their finish in their respective weight classes in the 2022 EIWA championship two weeks ago. Wags, I know that you were working on a story for the Capitol about wrestling. What do you expect to come out of this? Well, it's going to be tough because all of the Navy wrestlers are seated in the lower half of the bracket. Josh Coderhand is the highest seated Navy wrestler. He is 16 uh, at 133. If Josh wins his opening match with Hayden Drury of Utah Valley State, he immediately moves on to a second round matchup with Roman Bravo Young of Penn State, who's a three-time All-American and the defending national champion. But I loved what Josh said when I asked him about the prospect of having to face the defending national champ in the second round. He said, you got to beat them all at some point, so why not just get it out of the way early? So got to love the attitude. It's the same for Andrew Cerniglia and Jacob Kozer. Cerniglia opens with Johnny Lovett from Central Michigan. That's an 18-15 matchup. Andrew's the 18 seed. If Andrew wins, he immediately faces the number two seed, Ryan Deacon from Northwestern. And then Jacob Kozer is seeded 20 at 197. And if Kozer wins his opening match against Jake Woodley, and Jake Woodley is a returning All-American from Oklahoma University. So that would be a bit of an upset for Jacob to win his opening round match. But if he beats Woodley, he moves on to face the number four seed, Patrick Drucky from Michigan. So, you know, that's the NCAA championships. Um, it's hard to get a top 10 seed where, but it really doesn't matter. Seeding, it doesn't matter one bit. Everybody starts even, and if you've got it going on, you can beat anybody. And uh, I think Josh Coderhan is a guy that could possibly upset his way to being an All-American, John. Yeah, and at 133 pounds, that's just a level that I'm not familiar with. I think the last time I was 133 pounds was in fifth grade. Uh, but we, in all seriousness, we wish um, all of the wrestlers good luck. We know that it's happening right now, um, so let's hope for – some more hardware and or silverware rather uh, coming home. Uh, what else happened this past week and weekend? Uh, let's talk a little bit about Jen Coleman. I know that the basketball season ended, but coming off of her incredible performance in the Patriot League tournament, which included the banked in buzzer beater against top ranked Holy Cross, uh, Jen Coleman was recognized this week um, as the Naval Academy Athletic Association Athlete of the Week, congrats to her. And she was one of seven players named to the Patriot League All-Tournament team. Uh, the most statistically dominant player in the Patriot League this season, bar none, Coleman rounded out uh, her stellar senior campaign with that victory over Holy Cross before the mids fell to Bucknell last week, as we discussed. 
So congrats to Jen Coleman. And now we will see what the future holds for her, uh, whether she wants to try to take a run at being a professional basketball player and get in under that DOD uh, allowance for the pursuit of professional sports. I frankly, and you've talked about it too, Wags, you think that she has a has a pretty good future in, in professional basketball should she choose it, right? I absolutely do, John, and I don't know if she's going to pursue that route, if she's going to put an application in to take advantage of the uh, professional sports policy that's in place from the Department of Defense. But I, I believe if she does, she could be drafted in the WNBA draft and uh, have that opportunity. She is that good, John. Yeah, it, it was just, I'll, I'll be honest, before we started this podcast, I didn't know who Jen Coleman was. And she has stood out in her ability to not only lead that team, but to put up like crazy Kyrie numbers. Um, and, and again, I just think it helps the brand. If she has an opportunity to compete on the big stage and educate a larger audience about what the Naval Academy is all about, by all means, go out and do it. Um, that policy is in place for a reason, and I think it's to allow uh, athletes to live the best of both worlds should they choose those two worlds. Um, and who knows how much longer that DOD policy is going to be in place, so hopefully she falls under it. Now, lacrosse. We have talked about, and you'll hear Jen Baker talk about, uh, the men's game against, uh, against Hopkins on Friday night, but a really important one-goal victory over the weekend against Colgate. Uh, Wags, you and I were there. Um, Navy won 13-12. to 12. It marked the debut of Xavier Arline uh, and included him scoring his first collegiate goal. But then it featured our guy Pat Skalniak, who is a former guest on this podcast, going full superstar mode in the second half to lead Navy to the win. Wags, what were your thoughts on Arline, Skalniak, and mo most importantly, Navy moving to one and one in the Patriot League before Friday night's uh, trip to Homewood Field. Well, it was a gut check win, John. Navy was trailing the whole way. Navy fell behind three nothing and was playing catch up the rest of the way. And it wasn't until the very end that Navy finally took the lead. Uh, Xavier showed flashes. I think we saw what he brings to the table. He's super quick. He's got an incredible first step, and he can dodge from behind the goal and get out front to, in this case, they were not sliding to Navy. So Colgate was not sliding. So Xavier could walk right to the front of the net. He, he got a great shot that was stopped. Um, then he made, scored a goal. And then he had several other times when he got out front, but he didn't take that extra step to glory, as they say in lacrosse, where he improved his angle, his shooting angle. And he took a couple shots that were probably not high percentage. And then he also had a couple of times when he basically threw the ball right into the goalie stick. It was not a well-placed shot, but it's his first collegiate game, John. He's only going to improve. And I saw the flashes of what can be a major impact player. But at this time, Patrick Skalniak is the man for Navy. And when he gets that left-handed crank shot going, I mean, you were there and you were just like, whoa, I mean, yeah, he, it's a missile. He, it's a total it, missile. Like his shot is ridiculous. It, it is. That's a, a, the missile is the best word. It an absolute cannon of a crank shot. He sticks the top corner and it was, he, they had a lot of extra man opportunities and Scowniak is absolutely completely 
dangerous on the extra man because if he has time and space, he's putting the shot in the top corner. So a great win for Navy. They had to get a victory. I know it's early in the season, John, but you lost to Lehigh. You still have some top-shelf Patriot League teams in Loyola, Army. Uh, Coach uh, Amplo has been talking about Lafayette. Don't sleep on Lafayette, which has been a cellar dweller over the years, but he is saying that Lafayette's good this year. Boston University is ranked and had blown out Colgate. So you had to get a win uh, or else making the Patriot League tournament could be dicey. So very, very big win for Navy, John. Yeah, I agree. And after the trip to Homewood, the next uh, the next Patriot League game is against Holy Cross, and that'll be at home. So people have a chance uh, to see Xavier Arline uh, back out there, uh, hopefully in warmer weather as we're getting into the middle of March and closer to April. Uh, we just we really hope for some warmer events out there because it feels like you and I keep doing those standups um, out there. Uh, outside of the press box and by the time we're done doing them we're like frozen so yeah yeah, let's let's get the warmer weather back uh before I hit some of these other sports wags give me give me one more point on Jen Coleman well John while we were having our discussion I realized that the AP men's all-american appeared yesterday and I thought well the women's all-american team has to be coming out soon sure enough I googled it Jennifer Coleman is an honorable honorable mention Associated Press All-American. I don't know if Navy women's basketball has ever had an All-American. That's utterly awesome and not surprising. Um, Again, the more that we get recognition for the great things that our athletes are doing, it just helps the brand and we love that. Uh, Gymnastics, competing in a head-to-head meet for the first time in three weeks. Navy Gymnastics showed very little rust, broke out to a six-point lead through the initial three disciplines on their way to breaking it off on William and Mary on the road this past weekend. The mids who were 6-0 were led by five individual event winners as they continued to be undefeated head in head-to-head competitions this season. Strong individual performances throughout uh, marked you know, the victory, and now the gymnasts are off to Colorado Springs this coming weekend to take on Air Force and Illinois in a meet there, so good luck to them. And finally, baseball. After losing a weekend series to Maris 2-1, baseball dropped a tough one to UMass yesterday, 4-3. I don't think the pitching staff liked our Nuklelouche references in the last pod because they have locked it down since the 15-4 debacle against the Mount last Thursday where they walked 12, hit four, including the Bull. Um, you know, again, like we, we are not trying to make fun of this, but the great thing is that they came back uh, from that very ugly loss, and the pitching staff has done a lot better. They have not given up more than five runs since then, but the team is still struggling. They've lost five of their last six. They're only sitting at seven and eight overall in the standings, and the thick of the Patriot League tournament is awaiting them. So we will see how Costi's boys turn frowns upside down on the baseball field. We are going to go to break. When we come back, we are going to be joined by Jen Baker from the class of 98 to talk about lacrosse and her time in the Navy. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports.
A special thank you to our sponsors at Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 on Main Street in Annapolis. Whether you're an Annapolis resident or if you're coming into town to watch sports or for a reunion or you just want to get back to Naptown as the weather gets nicer, my favorite is a Cabernet and a Cuban sandwich at Red Red Wine Bar or an Old Fashioned and a Dry 85 burger at Dry 85. You can't go wrong with either. Be sure to check out both establishments. And again, thank you to Brian and Lisa Bolter for all of their fantastic support. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, hey, everyone. We are back and it is time for our guest segment. We are very happy to be joined this week. A return guest and friend of the pod, the Director of Athletics and Recreation at Johns Hopkins University, Jen Baker. Jen, as many of you might know, if you listened to us last season, is a class of 98 grad from Navy played lacrosse, and now is running the program at Johns Hopkins. And as we talked about in the intro, we have kind of Hopkins games, you know, uh, bookending our week here on Thursday. uh, Bill Wagner and I were so happy to be joined by Jen. Well, not joined by her. We were able to see Jen uh, at the women's Hopkins game. And now this Friday, the men's team travels to Homewood. So first of all, Jen, thank you so much uh, for joining the podcast. And number two, what can we expect from the men's game on uh, Friday? Are we going to hear the ever popular We Want More chant a lot from the uh, Hopkins band? Uh, well, first off, thanks for having me back, despite the fact that um, that you loathe that song. And I'm sure you're not alone there, because I think when I first took this job at Hopkins, amongst the Navy lacrosse uh, contingent anyway, I think that's what people know us for the most. And they hate that song. Um, so, uh, As they yes. should. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, we're super excited to to play Navy again. So since I've been um, at Hopkins, which is, I mean, I'm in my third year as the AD, um, fifth year there. I don't, we were supposed to play Navy in March of 2020. It was our next game on the schedule before everything got shut down. We have not played Navy um, unless I'm forgetting about it. My very first year on staff, but definitely have not played them recently. And it's been a game that we've really always enjoyed um, for lots of reasons, not the least of which is it's two great local programs, historic programs um, battling and really wanted to get it back on the schedule. So I was super excited. Um, We were finally able to get them back on the schedule this year. And I think it'll be a great atmosphere Friday night under the lights. Um, it is our military appreciation and first responders appreciation evening. So um, great discounted tickets. We just asked military um, first responders to get in free. We just ask that you contribute a dollar um, towards, and that's going towards the families of the firefighters who were tragically killed in Baltimore in that um, in that recent fire um, a few weeks ago, or I guess now it's probably uh, longer than a few weeks, but recently. Um, but to your point about we want more, um, you know, we want we want more of everything, um, but we will play that. I Full disclosure, we will play that when we score. So I've told you, if your game plan is not to hear that, your best strategy is to shut us out. That said, I don't think that will happen. Um, and I see two teams that are going to play really hard because I think that's that's something that I we just played Syracuse last weekend. And I, I saw a team that really scrapped and played hard. Um, and that is certainly what Navy's known for, if nothing else. So I'm actually looking forward to a really good battle. I, uh, I was meeting with the men's lacrosse captains yesterday and they've never had the chance to play Navy since they've been at Hopkins. And I said, if nothing else, I was like, I don't care what your scout says or what your film says. I was like, they're going to play hard. So be ready to go at it. It's going to be a good, tough physical game. Um, And they seem excited for the challenge. uh, And I can't say that I blame them. (laughs) Uh, Nor I. Wags, go ahead. Well, it's great to have you on again. And uh, 
uh, speaking of that 2020, I'll never forget it because we were about three or four days away from the game being played. And Bill Belichick from the New England Patriots, the legendary coach, was supposed to get the key to the city of Annapolis at halftime of the Hopkins Navy game in 2020. And yes, that was the week that sports ended and that game was never played and they have not met since. But so this is going to be great. I've covered a lot of Hopkins Navy lacrosse games over the years. I mean, it was an annual game and it was in Annapolis and or Baltimore. It was always wonderful to get up to Homewood Field, which is historic. Anybody who's not watched a lacrosse game at, at Homewood Field, you got to scratch that off the bucket list because that's a big deal. It's the mecca of college lacrosse, kind of the Yankee stadium of college lacrosse. But uh, wanted to ask you, do you feel you good about Coach Pete Millman and where he's got the program headed, the direction it's going? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as, as anyone who's followed Hopkins or just generally lacrosse in general will know that Pete is relatively new to our staff. Um, he was hired in April of 2020. And um, I'm really proud of what he's building. He had a <laughs> He had maybe arguably the toughest first year of any uh, head coach because it was a brand new program and he literally couldn't stand on a field with his team until January of 2021 because um, Hopkins was fully shut down in the fall. So whereas other teams got fall ball, he was on Zoom trying to get to know who was on his team. Um, really challenging spot to be in. And then, of course, last year was an exclusively Big Ten schedule for him. So um, it, was a, it was a tough first season, I think, um, to come in as a first-time head coach at a program like Hopkins. But really, really proud of where he's going with the program. I've already seen a lot of measured improvement. Um, I've seen some changes to the way we play. He has a very, very talented staff. Um, it's, it's really fun to watch them. And it's Honestly, what's the most fun for me is to walk by practice and see how much our student athletes are enjoying their experience and just how much fun they're having there. Um, you know, I think culturally the program is headed in a great direction competitively. It's kind of a mixed bag so far this season, not entirely unsurprising. Um, but this year, you know, we beat Towson on the road, which was the first time we've had the opportunity to do that since I've been here, beat Loyola, um, just beat Syracuse. So there's a lot of positive things happening and a lot of good momentum. And really that, that's not accidental. Like he, he's a very thoughtful, intentional coach. That's part of why I hired him. Um, I certainly saw what he built at Cornell. Um, I think he's incredibly talented and excited about the direction that the program is headed for sure. Well, I'm sure a lot of Navy fans will be venturing up to Baltimore and Homewood Field for this game on Friday night. I have not stepped foot in Homewood Field since I went to a, I think it was actually a Syracuse Hopkins game. I had covered Navy Loyola and Syracuse Hopkins was playing. It worked out perfectly that after I got done writing my story, I could shoot down and see Hopkins Syracuse. That must have been like 2019 or something. But Homewood Field is, continues to undergo dramatic renovations obviously a lot of people may not know there was never stands on the side that was near the road uh i guess that's roland avenue right uh that is university parkway and university parkway right those were built this is a fun navy connection um those were built for the 1998 world cup um, the men's world cup of lacrosse, which was hosted at Homewood. Um, so they needed more seating. And I went to that world cup because Andy Ross, who was class of 97, um, awesome, awesome player for Navy, um, was on the U S team and was competing in the world cup. Um, and was really excited to go watch, you know, one of our own compete at that level. Yeah. Uh, Andy Ross is a good friend of mine. He went to North County high here in Anne Arundel County, and he was actually just inducted into the Chesapeake chapter of us lacrosse hall of fame. 
Um, but they also added the the incredible uh, where the coaches offices and that area in the end zone is beautiful. Anything other recent renovations? I haven't been there now, like I said, five years. Is there something new I'll encounter when I get to the press box been expanded? That was always a little tight. Uh, the press box has not been expanded, but you will be happy to know that that's uh, actually a project that we are starting to scope out now as improvements to the press box. In the press box, you will note that there's essentially a de facto suite where I know that um, WNAV will be broadcasting um, this, this Friday, which will be great. The Cordish Lacrosse Center, as you alluded to, that's from 2012. So beautiful, dedicated lacrosse facility with locker rooms and offices and all the nice stuff. Um, that's the Homewood suite. What you won't see, well, you may or may not recognize, we just unveiled a $27 million expansion to our rec center, which is adjacent to Homewood. So incredible new facility. Um, on it's, it's just on the far side of Homewood there. And then what you won't see on the inside is we just built a brand new shiny double in size weight room um, with all the, all the bells and whistles. Um, so athletes are loving that, but you wouldn't see that from the outside. But if you want to see it on Friday, I'm happy to take you down. I actually might want to see that, Jen. Yeah. What a real, real quickly, the Friday, I mean, Thursday afternoon, you were in the box, high atop Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. John and I were in the other part of the press box covering the game. What was it like for you being, uh, you were a club lacrosse player at Navy because it was not a varsity sport. What's it like for you to see Navy not only have a varsity women's lacrosse program, but for it to be top notch with Cindy Timschel, one of the uh, the legendary coach, one of the greatest coaches, men's or women's, in the history of the game of lacrosse. What's it like for you to see Navy women's lacrosse like this? Um, thank you for that question, because I, I will be very candid and say emotional. Um, you know, there's a group of us, some of my very closest friends from the academy um, were my teammates at Navy. We're still tight to this day. We're on a group thread um, constantly. And we're, um, I was texting one of them during that game. So when I showed up to Navy as a plebe, um, lacrosse was my sport coming in. I'm from Baltimore. It was what it was. Navy is where I wanted to go. Showed up there as a plebe and was told by the firsties, this will be a varsity sport by the time you graduate. And so that's what I was hanging on to. And then when I graduated, my first year, I told the, my plebes the same thing. Like, we're working hard on this. And we were. We were advocating for it every year. Every year we were getting told no. My first, and part of the argument was that they didn't think we could compete. That if, if we were a varsity team, we should be a Division three varsity team. That literally was part of what was said way back in the day. Um, wow. My first year, um, we won the club national championship. And, I mean, rolled teams that year and came back with a huge trophy and said, okay, now can we do this? Look, look who we competed with, and we're still told no. So fast forward, Chet becomes the AD. The first thing he does is make Navy Women's Lacrosse a varsity sport. That was emotional unto itself, but to watch them succeed at the level they've succeeded at and compete with the best in the country, they were in the Final Four a couple of years ago. We were all watching that game together, and there's, first of all, all of us collectively acknowledge none of us would make that team now. Um, <laughs> they're just so talented, um, which is incredible. But also, like, we always knew that you get you get the right coach in here, you give this program support, this is what this program can do. Look what the men have done, we can do the same thing. So to have been given that chance to have Cindy be the architect of this program and to create the level of success she's created, Navy, you can't go into a living room across America of any lacrosse player and, and represent Navy women's lacrosse without them really respecting this program and associating it with consistent high level success. So in that moment, it was very surreal for me a, because of the program and where the program is, but B, I also reflect in 
I mean, they play blue and gold at the end, right? So I stood there in the stands, which did feel a little awkward since my team just lost to sit there and sing my, sing the alma mater. But that said, I was like, this is the field that I graduated on. This is where I was commissioned. At that time, this was a club sport with no hope of becoming varsity and look what they have done. Unfortunately, they just beat my team in overtime. <laughs> that part, let's put that aside. But just in terms of like, the emotions associated with that and the absolute pride associated with it. It's just, it's, it was incredible for me. And I was really glad to have the chance to do it. Yeah. Kudos to Chet Gladchuck for having the foresight because this Navy women's lacrosse is now one of the premier programs on the yard. Um, Last but not least from me, uh, Janine Tucker is stepping down. She's also a friend known her a long time, have the utmost respect for Janine. She has done a tremendous job at Hopkins. She, uh, you know, shepherded the program from division three to division one. And now it is one of the top programs in division one, a consistent NCAA qualifier, a big 10 uh, contender year in year out. This is a big loss for Hopkins. And that's going to be a big hire for you to try to keep that women's lacrosse program at the top of the, of the heap. You got to find a, a replacement for Janine. Yeah. I, I, it, I wouldn't phrase it as a replacement because if I'm being honest, there's nobody who can replace Janine. Janine is Janine is an icon in the sport. Janine has, you know, created our program. Um, she's led it for 29 years. To your point, she started as a Division three head coach, transitioned them to D1, positioned them for consistent success. And she's just an incredible human being for anybody who knows her. I think um, you're not wrong. This is a big hire. Um, if you want to talk about what keeps me up at night during the spring, it's, okay, where's this? I, I have a very clear vision in my mind where this program is headed, and it's just a matter of um, finding the right fit. And part of finding the right fit really is somebody who can continue to build on what Janine has created. Um, so I know there's a lot of incredible, ta- incredibly talented coaches out there. Uh, I have no doubt that we'll find a great leader for the program, but you're, you're certainly correct in saying that it, it will never be the same without Janine leading that program. Um, so, and we are again, certainly grateful to her for all that she's contributed and all that she's given of herself to it. Jen, you, you've, you've walked a mile in those shoes. You're, you're only the fifth athletic director um, in the Hopkins history since 1950. And since you've been there, you have presided over the hiring of a head football coach position, the men's lacrosse uh, position that we talked about before, uh, hired four other head coaches, several assistants, staff members. You know, you are building um, what was already a very successful program into an even more successful program. And you talked about the um, all of the improvements around campus. What has that been like for you? Because I know that you have Hopkins history. Your, your father went there, graduated 66. Your uncle graduated in 70. Your grandfather uh, is a Hopkins grad. You know, what's it like to have these two loves, you know, of, of Navy and also Hopkins, you know, building up something that your family has played such a key role in? This is going to sound cliche and maybe, uh, I, I don't know, It's but I, I'll be honest. I have so much gratitude every day when I show up to work. It's hard for me to describe it to you. I love what I do. It is fun to do what I do. Are there good days? Yes. Are there bad days? For sure. Um, but at the end of the day, it, similarly to why I chose to go to Navy in the first place, like I am competitive. I want to be held to a high standard. I want to push to achieve a higher standard. I want to see what is possible. And I'm also very wed to tradition, legacy, and the concept of service, Um, service over self every given day. So I am fortunate that I am in a role where I get to be of service. um, And 
of service to people that I genuinely care about and am so invested in and have, I mean, achieve at this, in, these incredible levels. So it's, it's fun for me to come to work and think about, okay, we're performing at, you know, level A, how do I get us to perform at level B? Cause I think it's possible. Um, and to have a coaches and staff who are so bought into that and student athletes who are just, I mean, frankly, our student athletes are very much like Navy midshipmen are. They are just so invested across the board uh, in so many different areas. They give of themselves so freely. Um, they're incredibly intelligent and they want to go off and do good in the world. And that's my job. And I get I get to do it 15 minutes from where I grew up at my, you know, I have a it's a family alma mater there, but it is very similar to Navy in, in so many regards, you know, Navy being my own alma mater in terms of the themes there that make me really excited to be there. So I feel really lucky. I, I have an awesome job. And if you would have told me, I mean, first of all, I went to the Naval Academy to be a pilot, period, the end. Uh, I didn't want to discuss anything beyond that. And if you would have told me then that I would wind up being the athletic director at Johns Hopkins, I, there's to say my mind would have exploded would have been um, would have been an understatement. But I got to do both. And I don't even know how I how that happened. But man, I'm so grateful that it did, um, because I, I really feel privileged to do the work that I do. And I genuinely love it. I don't dread going to work in the morning. I get it's long days. It's you know, it's a grind. It's nights. It's weekends. It's all the things. But but for such good, such a good end. Um, so I feel really lucky. Um, I, I certainly, you know, it's, it's a bizarre place to be to now be in a position where I'm competing against my alma mater, because let's be honest, I never root against Navy. Um, but, but I'm so proud of where Navy is athletically. And now that I'm in this business and I, I can, I see the work that Chet has done over the last 20 years and a bit through a very different lens. Um, there's plenty of that, that I try to emulate on my own campus. And I'm fortunate that I'm at a place where I do get a lot of support from the administration and there is an opportunity to really own it and grow it and build it and to continue to push the envelope. So, um, in short, that was actually long. So let's say in long, um, it's just, it's so much gratitude. I just really feel so proud and lucky and fortunate to get to do what I do. Yeah, it's an audio medium, but yeah, I, I wish our listeners could see the excitement on your face when you describe your job. And that's when you know that you're doing something you love. Jen, you know, listening to this podcast, and I hope uh, the mids and, and, and the fans who listen to this podcast pay attention because these were amazing leadership lessons that you gave. And, and again, your love of what you do and your love of your alma mater and combining those, it just sounds like it's, it's a dream come true. I, uh, you know, I, I, I wish my, my dad were still around. I'm sure that he and Dave Dowell uh, battled it out there in the mid sixties uh, with Hopkins in Maryland, but little known facts after my uh, much ballyhooed departure from West Point uh, my freshman year. I was down to two schools to consider, Villanova and Johns Hopkins. Mm. And I uh, ended up choosing Villanova. But I'll tell you what, uh, you're making it very, very hard for me to dislike Hopkins the way that my father taught me to do. And uh, it's it's due almost completely to your excitement and and the way that you uh, the way that you comport yourself in that job. It's just a great example of what the Naval Academy creates, and that's people of character and consequence. So thank you. Well, thank you for saying that. You are welcome at Hopkins honorarily at any point. Um, so please don't ever be shy. Um, and I know that we will miss you on Friday, which I'm disappointed about, but I'm happy to make it up to you. If you would like to come to the Hopkins Maryland game, we are hosting this year. And if 
I mean, that this goes to anybody, whether you like or hate Hopkins or Maryland or any of the above, if you haven't been, the Hopkins, Maryland feels a whole lot like Army Navy um, in the lacrosse uh, scenario. And when it's hosted at Homewood, that stadium is packed. Um, 10,000 people, unbelievable environment, um, certainly two talented teams this year. So if you don't have anything to do on that weekend and it's not Army Navy, highly recommend coming on up to Homewood um, for the Hopkins Maryland game later this season for sure. Oh, I will. Uh, it is already circled on the calendar. So uh, I, I cannot wait. And yes, I, I regret that I won't be able to be there Friday night. I'm sure Wags will. But uh, Jen, thank you again so much. Thank you for listening to the pod. Thank you for what you do. And we can't wait to have you back on. Thank you all for what you do. Like I told you, I am holy. I am a loyal, loyal listener. It probably isn't an hour from when this podcast drops to when I actually listen to it because it is my lifeline to following Navy athletics um, and certainly getting the stories behind all the teams. So greatly appreciate it. True friend of the pod. Thanks so much for having me back. Um, I'm not going to, I'm just, I hope for a great game Friday. So let's just, let's just go out on that note. Um, I'm excited to watch these two teams play again, since I haven't gotten a chance to do that since I've been here. And uh, I hope it's a great game. I know it will be. We are too, Jen. Thank you again so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Jen Baker, the athletic director at Johns Hopkins University, getting ready while watching her swimmers this week, but getting ready for the big night on Friday. We are going to go to break when we come back. Wags and I will take this baby out. This is Think Second Sports. A special thank you to our friends at the Naptown Scoop. Hey, if you're an Annapolis resident or somebody that lives outside of Annapolis but gets back to town like me, you definitely want to sign up for the Naptown Scoop. There is not a better place online to find out the latest in local politics, sports, weather, restaurant openings, what acts will be playing at what bars over the weekend. Go to naptownscoop.com, click on the subscribe button, and start getting in the know. That's naptownscoop.com, click on subscribe. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Awesome pod, uh, awesome time talking to Jen Baker, an incredible leader and an incredible personality. Uh, and that kind of positivity, you know, is just so awesome to be around. Speaking of positivity and um, and administrators at the Naval Academy, I am going to get on my one MC here uh, and just say a few words about former podcast uh, Carl Tamulevich. Commander T, as he is known to me, uh, retires on Friday. And after being at the Naval Academy in some way, shape, or form, both on active duty and as a civilian since 1986, Commander T is hanging it up. Friday is his last day. Uh, Lieutenant Schofield back in 2000 when I showed up at the U.S. Naval Academy uh, first met Commander T as he was, you know, my athletic director contact for being an O-Rep for women's soccer. And he mentored me. He was just the sweetest man that you could ever be around. And he still is today. He has battled health problems. Um, but Throughout all of that, he has always put the Naval Academy first. He is, he was an incredible lacrosse player. Uh, Jack Schofield often talked about Carl Tamulevich um, and that long stick of his, which is currently in Joe Cook's office uh, in Ricketts Hall. But, you know, Commander T, you know, if you're listening to this, please know how much we absolutely love your contributions to the Naval Academy. You are a shining example of what a grad is and someone who gives back 
And Friday will be a sad day, but we wish you and Lori the very best of luck as you go off into retirement. Wags, I know you've had plenty of time with Commander T as well. I'll give you the last word on that and anything else that you're looking forward to this weekend. Well, yeah, Carl Tambilevich is one of a kind. He's a National Lacrosse Hall of Famer, one of the greatest players in Navy history. But as you mentioned, after his military service, he came back to his alma mater and has devoted his life to Navy athletics. And he's he's been a great administrator for Navy. He uh, Up until the end here, he's been the uh, the athletic administrator in charge of men's lacrosse, which is obviously fitting, being as his connection to the lacrosse program. Um, you know, I've, I taught, I've been writing an article about Commander T, and I've talked to Joe Amplo, I talked to Richie Mead, and I talked to Chet, and every single one of them spoke so glowingly about Carl. And in the end, what they said, the number one is he was, he's a friend. Uh, Richie Mead said he's like a, my older brother uh, in a lot of ways. When I was at Navy, he was like having an older brother looking over me. Uh, Joe Amplo in just a short time has become close with Carl and they have lunch on a routine basis. So Carl will still be around. We'll, we'll see him in the press box. He's, he can't stop rooting for Navy lacrosse, but this, this retirement is well-deserved, John. And I'd be remiss uh, if I did not mention that one of Commander T's prouder moments in the last couple of years was the 2019 Commandant's Cup at the U.S. Naval Academy Golf Course, where he and Admiral Mike Mullen took it to voice of Navy basketball color guy Mike Heary and Tim Barr in the final and beat Heary and Tim Barr. Uh, I remember Commander T talking to me about it. He walked me through every single hole and what he and Admiral Mullen did to come away with that victory. I know that Mike Heary doesn't like to hear it, but here's hoping that uh, that Commander T gets out there on the golf course and is able to play much more golf and win many more Commandant's Cups as we go from there. Wags, as we go out, give us your athlete spotlight this week, and uh, and then we'll be done. Well, John, I'm going to put my spotlight on Pat Skalniak, who we already talked about, but Pat has emerged as the go-to guy for Navy men's lacrosse, and he has been simply terrific already this season. Um, he is Navy's leading scorer. And it's funny, at the beginning of the season, Coach Amplo, when I did the season preview, said that I think Pat Skowniak could be a guy that scores maybe 30 to 35 goals, which that's a lot for a midfielder, John. I mean, usually your leading scorers are your attackmen. Well, Pat Skowniak currently has 17 goals and 12 assists, 29 points through seven games. He is on pace to probably produce the most points by a midfielder in Navy history if he could keeps this up. He's been terrific. As mentioned, scored a lot of big goals. When Navy needs a goal, this is the guy they're going to go to. He's got that absolutely wicked left-handed shot. And an interesting thing about Pat Skowniak, John, is he, he is a legacy guy. His father was an outstanding lacrosse player at Navy. His dad is from East Baltimore. He went to Archbishop Curley, and uh, he was a really dominant face-off man for Navy, and he earned All-American honors. Uh, so he, he is a legacy, and it, his father is Phil Scowniak, and he, although he grew up in the Baltimore area, the family moves out into the 
Texas area. Uh, Patrick is a graduate of Episcopal, the Episcopal School in Dallas. But uh, Phil Skowniak is a is a Navy All-American lacrosse player. And now I think he's going to have a son who is an All-American as well. So Pat Skowniak is my weekly spotlight, uh, athlete spotlight, John. Yeah, he's an absolute talent. Um, congrats to him on such a good game against Colgate. Good luck to him and the rest of his teammates against Hopkins on Friday. And again, congrats to Jen Coleman for being named an honorable mention All-American. That is our show for this week. So many thanks to Jen Baker. Thanks to Chris Cervello for being the producer. Uh, and to Wags, as always, for his expert analysis and participation. I am John Schofield. Thanks to our sponsors. Thank you to you, the fans. And check out our Twitter account today and tomorrow as I officially establish our March Madness pool. Whoever wins the pool, and I recommend that you pick Villanova to win it all, will earn our eternal uh, respect and a little prize pack uh, that'll be coming your way. So check our Twitter for that ESPN March Madness pool. We are out. Go Navy. Beat Hopkins. This is Sing Second Sports. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.